Watching people drive by, T-Mac on the radio Got so much on your mind, nothing's really going right Looking for a ray of hope And now it's time for our reading in the New Testament. And today it comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 1 through 33. As we take a brief overview of what we're going to be reading about, we'll see that in this culture, two invitations were expected when banquets were given. The first asked the guests to attend. The second announced that all was ready. In this story, the king invited his guests three times, and each time they rejected his invitation. But God wants us to join Him at His banquet, which will last for eternity. That's why He sends us invitations again and again. 
Have you accepted his invitation to trust in Jesus? Now, it was customary for wedding guests to be given wedding clothes to wear to the banquet. It was unthinkable to refuse to wear these clothes. That would insult the host, who could only assume that the guest was arrogant and thought he didn't need these clothes, or that he didn't want to take part in the wedding celebration. The wedding clothes picture the righteousness needed to enter God's kingdom, the total acceptance in God's eyes that Christ gives every believer. Christ has provided these clothes of righteousness for everyone, but each person must choose to put them on in order to enter the king's banquet, that is, eternal life. This is an open invitation, but we got to be ready, and we got to be properly dressed. All right, let's read all about it now here in the New Testament. February 2nd, the New Testament, Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 33. Jesus also told them other parables. He said, The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them, The feast has been prepared, the bulls and fattened cattle have been killed, and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests he had invited ignored them and went their own way, one to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. The king was furious, and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. And he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready and the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. Now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, Bind his hands and feet, and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Then the Pharisees met together to plot how to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. They sent some of their disciples, along with the supporters of Herod, to meet with him. Teacher, they said, we know how honest you are. You teach the way of God truthfully. You are impartial and don't play favorites. Now tell us what you think about this. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus knew their evil motives. You hypocrites, he said. Why are you trying to trap me? Here, show me the coin used for the tax. When they handed him a Roman coin, he asked, Whose picture and title are stamped on it? Caesar's, they replied. Well then, he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and give to God what belongs to God. His reply amazed them, and they went away. That same day Jesus was approached by some Sadducees, religious leaders who say there is no resurrection from the dead. They posed this question. Teacher, Moses said, if a man dies without children, his brother should marry the widow and have a child who will carry on the brother's name. Well, suppose there were seven brothers, the oldest one married and then died without children. So his brother married the widow. But the second brother also died, and the third brother married her. 
This continued with all seven of them. Last of all, the woman also died. So tell us, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? For all seven were married to her. Jesus replied, Your mistake is that you don't know the Scriptures, and you don't know the power of God. For when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. In this respect, they will be like the angels in heaven. But now, as to whether there will be a resurrection of the dead, haven't you ever read about this in the Scriptures? Long after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had died, God said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So he is the God of the living, not the dead. When the crowds heard him, they were astounded at his teaching. Psalm 27, verses 1 through 6. Now we'll read about the fact that fear is a dark shadow that envelops us and ultimately imprisons us within ourselves. Everyone has been a prisoner of fear at one time or another. Fear of rejection, misunderstanding, uncertainty, sickness, even death. But we can conquer fear by trusting in the Lord who brings salvation. If we want to dispel the darkness of fear, let us remember with the psalm writer that the Lord is my light and my salvation. Now, by uh, the term the house of the Lord and his temple, David could be referring to the tabernacle in Gibeon, to the sanctuary he had built to house the Ark of the Covenant, or to the temple that his son Solomon was to build in the future. David probably had the temple in mind because he made many of uh, the plans for it. David may also have used the word temple to refer to the presence of the Lord. David's greatest desire was to live in God's presence each day of his life. Now, sadly, this is not the greatest desire of many who claim to be believers. What do you most desire? Do you look forward to being in the presence of the Lord? Psalm 27, verses 1 through 6, a psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in His temple. For He will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in His sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At His sanctuary I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 20 through 26. My son, obey your father's commands, and don't neglect your mother's instruction. Keep their words always in your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, their counsel will lead you. When you sleep, they will protect you. When you wake up, they will advise you. For their command is a lamp, and their instruction a light. Their corrective discipline is the way to life. It will keep you from the immoral woman, from the smooth tongue of a promiscuous woman. Don't lust for her beauty. 
Don't let her coy glances seduce you, for a prostitute will bring you to poverty, but sleeping with another man's wife will cost you your life. This is Gabe Roberts. I'd just like to affirm the guys down in phase one, uh, keep with it. God's going to help you a lot, and you're going to see a lot of change in your life. I'd like to specifically affirm Garrett Collins. Stick with it, man. Don't lose faith and don't lose hope. You'll pull through and you'll make it. I'd like to also affirm James. Keep it up, man. I can see that God's really changing in your life. I'd also like to affirm Tate. Keep it up, man. Hey, guys. This is Sean Hawk from Columbus, Ohio, 36 years old, father of two, Michaela and Kyle Hawk. I had it all growing up. Mom and Dad gave me everything. I went the wrong path, met some bad friends, went to prison, learned all about drugs. So when I got out of prison, I started selling drugs. Um, I got caught with 96.4 grams of crack cocaine and went back to prison. Did two and a half years. Got out, got back into it again, then I blew up from there. I had it all, trucks, cars, women. Then, all of a sudden, New Year's Eve 2007, I was going to deliver a bag, and some black guy set me up and shot me twice and about killed me. So, my dad always told me when I was growing up, you think your lawn money something? Son, it's nothing. Easy come, easy go. Mine will last longer than yours. Dad, you're full of crap. He was right the whole time. He said, when you're broke and down and out, them friends won't be there. Your family will. Mm -hmm. So, I didn't even do drugs back then. Mm -hmm. So, 2010, my dad died. Then all hell hit the block. Mm -hmm. I started doing everything and anything. And uh, I started doing crack, heroin. I fell completely off. I hit rock bottom. My family didn't want to be around me no more. And uh, thank God for the refuge. I needed this. And God's going to give me a second chance to survive. Guys, hang in there. And you will complete. You get past that first phase, it gets a lot better. Sleeper, thanks for that talk we had. That really was heart-to-heart. I love you guys. Thank you. I want you as you are, not as you ought to be. Won't you lay down your guard and come to me? The shame that grips you now is crippling It breaks my heart to see you suffering Cause I am for you Drops in the ocean
This is Doug from Phase 2. Today I'm reading a portion out of the book Ten Secrets for the Man in the Mirror by Patrick Morley. Secret number one, Lordship. In life, we learn many lessons and brilliant flashes of insight. Other lessons, though, seep in over the course of many years. For example, from the first moment, the thought broke into my mind that prayer is the most important thing I can do. It took another 20 years to expel the thought that there are better ways to get things done and like a nearly empty tube of toothpaste you can never quite squeeze out the old thought completely in a similar way I remember the first time I caught a glimpse of the idea I can rely on God as it scampered through my mind even though I came to believe it unyieldingly it took another 20 years to back the old thought of I can do it on my own into a corner and pin his arms so he couldn't take a swing at me. Still today, I can see that smirking old man standing over there in the corner, calling out to me, asking for just one more chance to prove he's right. There's another idea that has only recently been sinking in for me and grabbing me at the core of my being. Personally, I believe it's one of the greatest lessons I've ever learned. I believe it's the golden secret to success. I believe it is the first and the last word on happiness. It is the essence of what it means to declare Jesus Christ as Lord. 
This idea may resonate with you as soon as you hear it, or you may recoil from it at first. You may even disagree with it. Yet I believe it is the idea in this book that can most change your life. So you may, so you may want to uh, pay attention to this carefully. Let's unpack this idea a little bit. The world would say, want to be happy? Seek a better job. Live in this neighborhood. Take this vacation. Drive this car. Send your children to this school. Accumulate this much money. Join this club. God says, want to be happy? Surrender your life to me. Obey me. Seek the truth. Live by faith. Give yourself away in service. Deny yourself. Jesus does reward, but as early 20th century writer Bruce Barton observed, Jesus used the higher style of leadership that brings forth a man's greatest efforts, not by the picture of great rewards, but by the promise of obstacles. Author Dallas Willard notes in his book, The Divine Conspiracy, that Jesus links the broad road of abundance to the narrow road of obedience. Ironically, when we yield our lives to Jesus, bring ourselves under his authority, allow him to be Lord, which he is regardless, and walk in his way of obedience, service, and self-denial, things that sound like giving up happiness, he rewards us with every spiritual blessing. He links the broad road of abundance to the narrow road of obedience. Recently, I found myself writing these words in my journal. God, it is in your plan, purpose, and will that I find these pleasant things. Your will is agreeable with me. Ours is not a contest to get around, manipulate, or overcome your will, but to enter in. It is not a roadblock, but a gate. Happiness and truth. Happiness is linked to truth. Some things are true, whether we choose to believe them or not. Suppose for a moment you had a headache. Let's say someone gave you a pill that contained rat poison, but told you that it was an aspirin. Let's also say that you sincerely believed them. If you take the pill, will you be happy? Dead, maybe, but definitely not happy. That's because the truth is what it is. You can be sincere, but sincerely wrong. The Christian life is not built on feelings or impressions that shift from one generation to the next. Rather, it is based on the historical life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the faith life revealed in the Bible. Jesus prayed, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. John 17:17. 17, 17. To be happy, we must be seekers of truth. The Bible says true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the, the kind of worshipers the Father seeks, John 4:23. Incidentally, the word worship has at the core of its meaning to kiss the way a dog licks its master's hand. It is on the narrow road of truth and worship that we find the broad road of happiness. Joy and obedience. Jesus links joy to obedience. Jesus said, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I've obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. John 15, 10 and 11. Also, blessing is linked to obedience. 
As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. He replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Luke 11:27 and 28. It is on the narrow road of humble submission and obedience to God's will that we find the broad road of joy and blessing. Happiness and self-denial. Happiness is linked to self-denial. My work entails frequent airplane travel. When I am greeted at the gate upon arrival at my destination, the question I'm, all, I'm most often asked is, how was your flight? Because frequent air travel ranks among the five most boring activities ever known to mankind, this is a, a difficult question on which to start a friendship. From my perspective, I've just wobbled up a steaming hot jetway after stepping off a freezing cold jet plane. I'd be completely dehydrated except for the fact that I drink eight ounces of water every one hour I spend in this flight. This means that if I don't find a restroom within 60 seconds of deplaning, the scream I've been working so hard to suppress will bring airport security rushing at me from all directions with outstretched arms. The constant motion of an airplane makes you queasy. Some kids always crying. Your neighbor either talks too much or has a cold or both. The flight attendants try hard, but invariably bump your elbow with the service cart every time you go up and down. Air travel is the ultimate form of self-denial. So possessing a compulsion to give a straightforward answer, I've always struggled with that question, how was your flight? I usually answer, well, as the Lord Jesus said, if any man would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and fly with me. This is how the Lord actually put it. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very soul? It is on the narrow road of self-denial that we find the broad road of success and peace. Happiness and service. Happiness is linked to serving others. Jesus said, whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My father will honor the one who serves me. John 12:26. The broad road of honor, contentment, and lasting significance, ironically, comes when we travel the narrow road of serving others. All men want to be happy. The truth of this statement is so obvious that it barely needs mentioning. Yet men often fail to discover the one sure path to happiness. Happiness does not consist in getting what we want. The most famous of all wise men, Solomon, proved that happiness does not come from merely getting what you want. Rather, happiness is built on the foundation of acknowledging that Jesus Christ is the Lord of our lives. The path to happiness is the one that leads back to the master's estate. He's standing at the gate to say, I've missed you. Welcome home.
There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen. The sweetest of loves, where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come.
天。